Welcome to the Generation Iron Podcast, featuring the biggest names in bodybuilding, fitness, combat, and strength sports world. If you want to be a bodybuilding champion, it takes hours and hours every day of being dedicated and being passionate about it. As your boy here, Kai Green, aka Mr. Getting It Done. Yeah, Tune in to the GI exclusives on the Generation Iron Airwaves. What's happening, guys? This is Vlad, and we are back on a Generation Iron Podcast. Today, we're talking to one of the hardest working women in pro bodybuilding. She's been grinding it out for many years, um, competing for the top titles. And even when female bodybuilding was actually uh, no longer being offered at Olympia or the Arnold Classic, she continued to compete at different competitions, winning them and making a name for herself in a sport of bodybuilding, female bodybuilding. And now she's a two-time Miss Olympia title holder. And I'm very excited to talk to her today about women's bodybuilding, about the perception of women's bodybuilding, and what it takes to compete at the highest level um, and dominate. So I'm very happy to bring to the podcast uh, Miss Andrea Shaw. It's great to meet you, finally. Nice to finally meet you, too. I've been following you guys for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations on winning Olymp- Miss Olympia two years in a row. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, it still seems like a dream. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, so I want to first, like, kind of get to know about your origins. How did you get into bodybuilding? I understand you were doing gymnastics and different other sports before you actually got into, like, professional, you know, amateur and then professionally competing, right? Yeah, yeah. I was getting fat in college and needed to figure it out. <laughs> You know, now that, you know, gymnastics or cheerleading was not a part of my schedule, I had to create a schedule uh, for myself because I was just, I was, I was getting too, too big and I was not comfortable. <laughs> but then, you know, I started meeting people at the gym. Uh, some people would, you know, get into doing marathons. Uh, some people, you know, were really heavy competing and I felt like there was just a certain a certain look that went with competing that looked appealing to me and it was like you know what this person looks good and that's where I said okay if I'm gonna get in great shape I probably need to force myself to do a show mm-hmm. right one second Andre. right now I'm hearing like everything this mic is picking up everything you got to lower the volume on this mic hey sorry about that again can you hear me still? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, I can actually hear you much better now. Okay, good, good, good. So, uh, but obviously, you know, getting in shape, right, and then actually competing is like two different things, right? Like, how did you get the, even the courage to go on the stage? You know what I mean? How did you even, like, wanted to pursue that? Well, I mean, I did try to just get in shape. The problem with that became I gave myself too many easy ways out. Mm-hmm. I was slip on the head a little bit. I would go out and, you know, eat. I'd be more social. And I knew that if I got in shape for a show, that that would come to an end. Mm -hmm. And so it was like I had to force myself to do it because if I let myself keep skating by, I wasn't going to do it. I was going to eat pizza. I was going to eat bagels. I was going to skirt the line as long as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, once I I purchased my first uh, show suit, and back then they had – they had a one-piece and a two-piece. I may be dating myself a little bit, but that one-piece was like, okay, yeah, that's doable. But the two-piece, I said, oh, yeah, I got to make sure I stick to a diet if I'm going to get into this suit because it is small, <laughs> extra small. 
Mm-hmm. But um, was bodybuilding always like women's bodybuilding? There's obviously different divisions, right? Was was bodybuilding specifically always that your, your number one choice? It would say that you wanted to pursue. No, no, I I never felt as though I was big enough for bodybuilding, but I knew I had enough muscle to get me through figure. Um, so back then there was only women's bodybuilding, figure, and fitness. And I mean, at that age, I did gymnastics, I did cheer, I had the background, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to take the easy way out for me, you know what I mean? And I had done so much of that, I was, I was a little burnt out. So I was like, you know, yeah, I could do fitness, but it wasn't where my heart was. And you know, I had a certain draw towards figure that I liked, and it seemed at that time it was a better fit for me because I was nowhere near as muscular, especially upper body, I am. So that's how, you know, I kind of started to, to really venture off into, you know, which division. So figure just seemed more attainable, but bodybuilding was not off the radar. It just, it really seemed like it would take me so long to get there that it just seemed like a daunting task almost. Mm-hmm. So do you remember stepping on stage for the first time and how did it feel? It felt amazing. I was nervous. <laughs> I was very nervous, but excited. Um, I kind of had a point to prove. I had a couple people who told me that they, they didn't think I would be ready. They didn't think that I had the heart to stick to it. So I had a lot to kind of really be proud of stepping on stage as a, you know what, I told you so kind of mm. thing. You know, that does that, does that work better for you? Like as a motivational thing, right? Does it work better when people doubt you or versus like support you? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like when somebody's like, oh, you know what, I don't think you can win. Like, does that, does that motivate you more so I actually do better? I think it's a it's a 50-50 split. I think you have to have a, people who believe in you to really keep keep you encouraged because I mean there are some times in prep where you know your energy's not high, you're tired. But yeah, I still take some of the the naysayers and I can use that too because I absolutely love when people doubt me. I do. I, know, I can right? use Absolutely. I agree with you. So, you know, you won the Olympia two years in a row, 2020 2021. I mean, that's big, right? Two years in a row, obviously, and you, you know, brand new champion. Um, how did it feel? I mean, obviously, it's a great accomplishment, right? But as far as, I feel like it was even more meaningful because it came back to the Olympia, right? I mean, it's like a new era in a way. Exactly. I felt like there was just, there was history being made, right? So, I mean, with it being brand new again, right? To me, in my mind, it's brand new again. It was new to me, but it became a, a gateway for me to really solidify, you know, my passion in history to be the first to carry not only the Miss Olympia title, but also the Rising Phoenix title and both in one year. So it was it was it was absolutely amazing. And it was I think it was a little more special to me, the first one. Well, in its own way, mm-hmm. um, because it was birthday. so my birthday, it was like mm-hmm. the best birthday present. I was just it was joyous. Yeah. It was a present from. It was a present from. Was I got that? to prove somebody else wrong. They said that they didn't think that I could do it. Uh-huh. Like you could do it in about two or three years, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, no, we're gonna do it now. <laughs> oh yeah. What year did you? What year did you become a pro? Uh, 2018. 2018. Okay, okay. So, in 2014, right? They they basically banned women's bodybuilding from Olympia, yes. from the Arnold. Basically, all the major 
competitions except for the Rising Phoenix. I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but, you know, essentially became a pro during an era when there was, there was no Miss Olympia even being offered, right? Right. How did it feel not to be able to, uh, you know what I mean? Well, at a certain point, because I got my pro card in women's physique, so I mean, there the Olympia was in my sights, but mm -hmm. once I made my pro debut, I came in eleventh. So I knew then. I said, okay, well, I mean, there's nowhere else to go except into women's bodybuilding. And I knew about the Rising Phoenix, and I said, well, at least it's something. Right. You know, it, it's our version of what the Olympia used to be, plus you know a little extra because you get the car right. So. It became a matter of, do I want to do this for the Miss Olympia title or do I want to do this for, you know, the love of the sport? And, you know, because I, I, I think I've, I've benefited so much from doing it, it didn't matter to me whether the Miss Olympia came back or not. It would be great if it did, but if it didn't, I was still going to compete and I was going to take it to the highest level that I could because, mm -hmm. you know, again, it's the only thing that I can say without a shadow of a doubt makes me get in the best shape. Like I have to stick to the diet. I have to do my training because I know that the stage is coming right at a certain date. And you know, there's nothing that pushes me to make sure that I got, I'm on top of everything like doing a show. Mm -hmm. So rising Phoenix competition, for those who don't know, this is like the, one of the most, or the most important women's bodybuilding competition in the world. Right. Would you, would you agree with that? Exactly. hundred percent. What's the, what's the prize and money for that one? Prestige then. I think some some female bodybuilders who did compete during the the Miss Olympia era before it was taken away, I think many of them saw that as a step down, but it really wasn't. It really wasn't because again, they, they they brought so much prestige because you get a, a car, you get a brand new car, plus mm -hmm. you get the fifty thousand dollar purse. So it's like Man. you'd be crazy not to do it. Mm -hmm. Be crazy not to do it. Absolutely. And basically, now the owner of that competition bought the Olympia, so. Therefore, that's why they brought women's bodybuilding back to Olympia, essentially, right? Kind of, it all kind of like a, came full circle in a way. Exactly, exactly. And Jake Wood, he's a very ingenious man when it comes to having the experience, not just as a spectator, but also as an athlete. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it comes to what they do at the Rising Phoenix, this is stuff that you know they used to do back when Joe Weider basically was was in charge. Mm -hmm. I mean, they roll out the red carpet. Everything is taken care of. All you have to do is show up in, in your best shape. And and again, everything's taken care of. So these are things that even now I'm hearing some competitors say, you know, thank God Jake Wood owns it because, you know, we were being treated like crap. And it's like, well, thank God. Yeah, he does own it, you know, but, you know, we still have the responsibility to show up. Don't be sloppy, right? Show up and give your sure. best. Because still, you know, the best in the world. You're a pro now, right? It's a totally different league than being an amateur. So. Yeah, and that Rising Phoenix is like to me, in some ways, even more important than the Miss Olympia. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, I remember when they first banned Miss Olympia, right? Banned women's bodybuilding. Essentially, I was talking to a few people from the industry, and they, and they were telling me, you know, it's just nobody wants to nobody wants to see that. Essentially, that's what that's what it told me. It's not popular. That's why what's the point of keeping it there, right? And I'm a fan of women's bodybuilding, you know what I mean? I really am. I really appreciate it, you know what I mean? And, what, and when it told me that, it was, you know, it's kind of upsetting, you know. Um, one of the films that we actually did, we addressed it, Generation Iron 2, 
with Iris Kyle, you know, get her uh, take on it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that excuse, it's no, it's not popular. Let's get rid of it. Did, did, did that ever make sense to you? No, only be only because it, it it's always been popular. Because without women's bodybuilding, there are no other female divisions, mm-hmm. none. So it didn't matter whether you were in figure, whether you're in, you know, fitness, it all started with women's bodybuilding. And I, I firmly believe that was just the call that AMI made because, you know, Jim Mannion, the IFBB, the NPC, they kept the contest going. There were so many contests that still had women's bodybuilding, but that was a, a direct call from Arnold's staff, you know, and I'm speculating because I wasn't competing at that time. But again, Arnold pulled it first. And then it was like AMI follow suit. So, you know, whether it was unpopular, I think it was unpopular to them. Mm-hmm. And Arnold still, Arnold Classic, they still don't offer women's bodybuilding, I believe, right? It's not, it's not there at the moment. Eliminated women's physique from this upcoming year's Arnold. So, I mean, if that tells you anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Women's physique is, it's it's definitely a different division when it comes to being compared to against women's bodybuilding. But Arnold has always had women's physique since since its inception. Mm-hmm. So for it to be taken away again, this is something that I think behind closed doors, some people have personal opinions about what they like and don't like. Sure, but it's still popular. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Um, I I think women's bodybuilders specifically they go through a lot of scrutiny. You know, um, from from the fitness and people within the fitness industry, not not like anybody specific. I'm talking about just fans online. You know what I mean? They, there's a lot of negativity. You know what I'm saying? And and I was talking to a, a female bodybuilder about that actually, and I'm like, well, do you see some of the comments with nasty uh, things people are saying? You know what I mean? It's like they saying, you know, it's they're not feminine women or whatever. You know what I mean? And she broke it down to me. You know. Very interestingly, she said it's not a, uh, a beauty pageant. We we're competing in bodybuilding. This is a bodybuilding competition. You know what I'm saying? And I don't understand why um, a lot of not a lot, but some men don't understand that, that this is sports right. and competition. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of the are usually men. They're usually men. Yeah. When you break most of it down, some of these men are insecure because they don't have muscles and they wish they could. <laughs> so then it becomes the the woman right? right so it's 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 insane to me that you know people can say oh well it's it's the gear it's this it's that well how about it's work ethic right Maybe working with what you got you know the, the goal is always to make sure that you do what you possibly can and a lot of people don't do that right. they're like okay yeah you can just pump in the gear and you just get big and that's not the case right. that's not the case at all but most of those people, if I engage with them, it, it the guys always end up trying to ask, okay, well, tell me what's your bicep workout or tell me what's your back workout. How can I get big? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if that's what you really wanted to know, you should ask that mm-hmm. instead of trying to answer because I probably work three times as hard as you do mm-hmm. and I'm a woman. It's Absolutely. not my problem. Absolutely. No, I think, you know, it's great that women's bodybuilding came back, you know, and, um, Another thing what I keep hearing from people is like, um, and the thing is like it's the same comparison to men's bodybuilding, right? They're complaining well over the years, like the muscles got, like the physiques got bigger, but it's the same as as men's. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you can't really 
say that against women's bodybuilding. It's just it's just what it is. It's a sport, you know what I mean? Like I don't know how to I don't know how to argue that point, you know? Sports always evolve. Right. No ever remains the same. Whether it's, you know, the Joe Weider Olympics or gymnastic Olympics. Ice skating. I mean, no sport ever stays the same. There are athletes that come along that are truly unique, that end up changing different dynamics within the sport. Right. It's just the way it goes. And to me, you either appreciate that or you don't. And I mean, to say that you know, women's bodybuilding is not feminine. There are plenty of us who are feminine. Plenty of us. Absolutely. Yes, I feel like. We got dresses on, we wear heels, we keep our nails done, we keep our makeup done. I mean, there's just, I think it's just a personal thing. It you is. Decide. No, absolutely. And um, have you ever seen a movie called Pumping Iron 2, the second part, The Women? Have you ever seen that? I have not, but someone told me, and this is on my Christmas Day things to watch. Yeah. <laughs> that. Um, it's interesting scary. because there was a, the, and that film was a kind of like a dilemma, right? I think it's, it's Beth Francis uh, competing against, uh, I forgot, the, another uh, Miss Olympias. And there was like a dilemma in that film, you know what I mean? Who, who are we going to reward, the physicality or the femininity? And essentially, like, Beth Francis was obviously way more muscular and just, she was clearly, you know, the, the winner, in my opinion, if you're judging it based on, on a muscle definition. But I believe in that movie they gave it. So we should you should watch it basically. I, I want to know your opinion on this film. I will, and I love Beth, Beth Francis. Beth yeah. was a fearless. Mm -hmm. She would do things that really went to me against like the grain when it comes to okay, f you in your opinion, right. because this is this is who she is and this is what she wants to do. You know, I I watched one video where uh, the comment that I don't really like when. But it's bodybuilding. What difference does it make, whether it's a man or a woman? Absolutely. And Bev didn't care. Bev did what she wanted to do, and she was a trailblazer in her own right. And I, I mean, I love and respect that about her because, again, whether it's a man or a woman, a most muscular is a pose. Mm -hmm. What difference does it make? None. Yeah. None at all. Absolutely. And she had a heck of a physique. I mean, you can't deny her that. And she's oh, yeah. still powerful to this day so I mean if you really have a heart to do it I think you get into this you gotta be you gotta have a thick skin you gotta be ready to just you know I'm gonna do what I want to do regardless of who doesn't like it and who does you know we hope you like it but if not guess what oh well too bad yeah I was gonna ask you actually next uh, do you think you have to be mentally obviously you you're physically strong but do you have to be mentally strong to be a in a sport of women's bodybuilding right would you agree with that absolutely and I mean Mentally strong, whether it's to get through your prep, to get through the, the mundane days, um, to engaging with people who are not so nice with their comments on social media. But again, at the end of the day, will you look back in, you know, three years, five years, 10 years and be happy with what you put out there? I mean, regarding your contribution to the sport. And, you know, at this age, at 37 years old, I, I can definitely say that I'm very happy with what I put forward with my contribution to the sport because I absolutely love it. But it's great that it's finally being like rewarded again and appreciated yeah. you know, by being included in, in these big competitions, you know what I'm saying? And also the prize money, right? Because it was, uh, 2020 was 50,000 for the first prize at Olympia. What was it What was it this year? Uh, still 50. Still 50,000, okay, okay. But still, you know what I mean? Like it's still a lot more than uh, some other even men get, you know? Other, you know. Yeah. 
and some other divisions are still kind of coming along. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're being celebrated as yeah. we should be because we're athletes just like everybody who steps on that stage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of people want to know, actually, a lot, of, a lot of questions we get before these interviews, right? They're asking, like, um, as far as a prep, getting ready for the competition. Uh, I'm sure you know different uh, male bodybuilders. Is it is it similar approach as, you know, Mr. Olympia would, 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 uh, would, would train for a competition? Is it a different approach for women? Like, they want to know exactly what's the difference or what is your uh, approach to a prep like? I'm, I'm pretty sure there are some differences, but I don't think there are any significant differences. I mean, there's just... I mean, for women, once we start getting our body fat percentage, you know, low, right? We just have to make sure we can shut off certain, certain cravings for things that come on a monthly basis. Like I have some late, like they love chocolate, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm about to chew off the, you know, the paint off the walls because <laughs> all I want is chocolate." Aside <laughs> from that, I think that many of us handle um, going into prep with the same thing. You have to be very clear on your why, especially if you're um, either defending the title or if you want to make sure you don't slip in placings. You want to make sure you either stay at the very same placing or go higher in placing. Um, because that happened to a few ladies, you know, they didn't do as well uh, for this year's Olympia they did last year, but you always have to have that in mind. And you know, that that's going to be a huge focus that drives you um, to getting ready. And then talking with a lot of the guys, you know, Chris Bumstead, um, Terrence Ruffin, a lot of them, even Big Rami, um, they just always make sure that they keep that in mind that they're responsible for bringing their very best and that's usually you know from the beginning of prep to the very end mm -hmm. very common amongst us what about off season you know a lot of men they put in a lot of weight like a lot they get they get like huge you know what i'm saying like uh is it the same for women too like the off season like, oh. do you do well now this is a great question because women handle it way more emotionally <laughs> way more because it, it does start to like kind of wear on you that oh my gosh you know a month ago I was nowhere near this heavy I mean you know I put on 20 pounds especially bodybuilders I think the more muscle mass you have you're gonna see that that increase in the pounds a little bit faster like even now I'm already up 20 pounds from from the show and I'm still like oh my gosh how did this happen but you know it was you know I, I reversed out I took my time but it's still you know that that's naturally what my body wanted to do um, so as of right now, I've been fluctuating between like 200 and 204 pounds. Um, but again, that's what my body naturally wants to do. So when you get into the acceptance phase of, you know, you're, you're going to have that happen, then, then it's okay. But a lot of girls, I'm still talking to a lot of girls, women's physique and body daughters, like, it's okay. I know you can't fit the clothes that you used to fit. I know you don't look the way you used to look, but you can't maintain such a lean body fat all year round. It's not healthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Women. So, yeah, the it, women, women part. Right. Because when you're on stage, you, you, you obviously, you you look like you're in the best shape, right? As far as the, you're depleted, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you look like you, you have no, like, skin at all. Like, it's just got an anatomy chart. But, like, that's when you you feel, like, probably, like, the worst, right? Like, inside, inside, right? It, well, you definitely can tell that, you know, you, you're, you're very depleted and, you know, you, you can feel that there's there's more that your body could take in but you just can't have it right now mm -hmm. that's why so many of us like many of us in prep we buy we binge buy snacks we binge buy these snacks and we think we can eat all this food and lo and behold on show day or the day after the show 
we can only eat a quarter, not even sometimes, of, of all these snacks that we buy. Mm -hmm. And we laugh about it, but it's like, okay, what is our mind, what is, what is it really thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Our bodies really want to have all the things that we've been depriving it of, but physically there's just no way that, that you can actually do that. So, you know, it's something that I think many of us are still trying to master. Because at a certain point in prep, it is. Those cravings, they kick in and it's like, okay, I know I can't have it. And many of us have enough restraint to not eat it, mm -hmm. but we buy it. <laughs> and we buy a lot of it. Like, my <laughs> thing was rice cakes, almond butter, and, and all the, like, sugary snacks I could get. I mean, it was it was almost bananas. Like, Reese cups. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was buying by the box. And it's wow. like, there's no going to eat all this. <laughs> and sure enough, I had to start giving it away. And I'm like, ugh. But it's, it gets better. It's just a little bit better, but each time I compete, it gets a little bit better. <laughs> so, what about every year? Do you, do you like I say, like from 2020, 2021, you know, next year? Do you feel like the prep is uh, like the more your body, you put your, your body through that? Like, do you feel like it gets more difficult or easier? Like for you, for example. <sighs> this last prep was probably the hardest prep mm. that I've been through, and I think more of that was just the mental right because i mean i felt as though i had a huge um point to prove to defend the title so i've been told by uh some who have you know uh, retained the titles consecutively mm -hmm. that after the second one it gets easier um but initially when i started the prep for the second one it, w it felt pretty similar to the first you know i just wanted to do my best but after a while you know it started to sink in like you know what i really have to try to do what i can to make that much more of an impression to keep my title because I felt like some people may have looked at my first win as a, a little bit of a, oh, you know, it was a fluke. She got lucky. It was COVID. You know, people weren't able to compete. So, so yeah. many people applied for shows. But I was like, no, you know, I really got to make sure that I, I make a point that, no, I, I worked my way to the win and mm -hmm. I earned it. So I had to carry that. And that was a little extra pressure on me. But I'm hoping that, you know, I can really evaluate this prep compared to the next one so then i'll be able to give you probably a better gauge but i i think it'll be easier because mm -hmm. mentally you know i won't have the stress of oh my gosh you know somebody thought it was a fluke but now i know i mean i always knew but now i know for sure like right i did what i had to do and you know i'm just going to keep doing my best what about the um the judging right i, I hear some people complaining about it. i don't know what the judging criteria is like you know they say well I guess it's different from show to show maybe or they just say you know what are the judges looking for exactly are they looking for you know like like in your division specifically for the for the for the rise of phoenix you know for the olympia do you know exactly sort of like what they want to see from you you know oh absolutely i mean they definitely want to see i think so many people got into they they're so heavy on conditioning 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 you got to be striated you got to be dry mm -hmm. and that's that serves a part right but there's also a, a huge part of symmetry, symmetry and making sure that there's actual shape to the physique that you bring to the stage, especially women, right? There, there's a certain amount of, um, I like to say muscle vo voluptuousness that you bring to the stage. It needs to have a, a nice silhouette of, of curviness to it. Yeah, being striated is great, but if you sacrifice your curviness or your symmetry for being striated, then you're gonna be marked out. And the same thing goes with mass. You know, I wasn't the biggest girl on stage, but I didn't need to be. So as, as long as you can master those three elements, you have enough mass and that mass is proportioned, 
you know, again, you've got the nice V taper. You've got, you know, the, the quads that kind of sweep, right? Mm-hmm. You got full to those muscles. Um, and you've got enough striation, but enough fullness to the muscle belly where, you know, yes, they can see that you've got great conditioning, but you still have that fullness to the muscle. That's the win. Um, and that's something that, you know, thankfully, uh, working with my coach, uh, well, my coach is, because uh, Sydney, Sydney really works with me. The leaner I get, she starts to, to critique you know, how I can present my physique at different angles. And I mean, for her to be five-time Miss Figure Olympia, I mean, that's, she's really good at that. Yeah. And so that's her, because she knows from judging herself, you know, because Sydney used to be a judge uh, some time ago, exactly what the best look is across all divisions. And again, those three things, I think, whether it's a male division or a female division, still separate, you know, the top of the pack from the bottom. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to know, they send in the questions actually, they want to know about your uh, training routines, like how heavy do you lift, do you have any personal, like, they want to know how much you bench, how much you squat, you know, things like that. Can you reveal some of that? Absolutely. So, I actually got away from squatting. Um, I don't really squat too much anymore. Um, only because with the barbell squat, I mean, I got up to uh, 315 at one point in time. But we had to be very careful with my lower body because, again, I, I, I tend to build muscle very fast. I have, a you know, the gymnastics background mm-hmm. um, and the cheerleading background. I can put it on really quick. Even at this last prep, I put on eight pounds of muscle or almost almost 10 pounds, sorry, 10 pounds of muscle. And, you know, that for a female, that's significant, mm-hmm. right? Well, for anybody, but knowing that we had to back off of the squatting. But, yeah, my max squat is 315. Um, so I actually get more into doing leg pressing mm-hmm. and then doing um, more things like isolation movement. So leg extension, seated leg curl, um, standing leg curl, different variations with those isolated um, things with hamstrings to really bring forth the clarity in my legs. Um, but yeah, now leg press, I get I get pretty interesting during the off season with leg press. I mean, I can get in upwards of like 12 or 1300 pounds. Wow. I can usually get in at least 15 to 20 reps. So my legs are very strong. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do it too often um, in the off season, even still for, you know, I'm like, you know, I only want to get so big because my I don't want to throw off my proportions, right? Mm-hmm. That symmetry, again, still plays a huge role in me doing well on stage. So we've dialed it back quite a bit. Um, I think we have been stopping lately at between eight and 10 plates. And now that's each side. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we were doing 13, 14 plates each side. It's wow. like, okay, we don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, it's like, okay, we know you're strong. We don't need to do that anymore. This is aesthetics. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that that's um, for legs. That I keep it simple with legs. Um, that way, you know, I don't have to get into doing all kinds of fancy tricks. The old school bodybuilding stuff works. Right? I don't need to do all kinds of, you know, suspension training and mm-hmm. no, I keep it simple. Leg press, walking lunges with no weight, leg extensions, leg curls. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little more interesting with my upper body workouts. Um, my upper body workouts, I tend to do uh, dumbbells. I do barbell, but I usually keep barbell to once every other week because, again, my upper body strength. I mean, I can get mass quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I alternate weeks barbell one week following week I do dumbbell work mm-hmm. um, on my second chest day however I do more machines and cable work so that's where a lot of people they see the muscle and it's like okay well you know how did you get that here's the my biggest secret is this 
the average person is training chest, legs, back, whatever, once a week. Mm-hmm. You add that up over the course of a month. That's only four times yeah, in a month. Yeah. If you're aiming to work those same body parts twice a week, now you're putting in twice as much work as the person who's only doing it once a week. Mm-hmm. So that's how I learned to to add the mass in much more quickly when it came to, to so my more, The more is better, basically. If you can handle it. So, I mean, when I first started, I, I had to ease my way into, you know, I had to add those days in slowly. So when I first started, I would do five days. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of three months, I added in the sixth day and then the seventh day because training seven days a week is it's it's a lot right and there are some days you know that you know I'll make it more of an active rest day or I'll just focus on cardio um, or I'll do some you know low impact things like maybe yoga things like that but you know when it's when it's when I have a goal in mind and I know that you know I need to develop a certain area it's all gas no brakes I mean and that's that's I mean it's not really a secret it's just a matter of if you have the physical capacity and the mental capacity to actually put your body through that so yeah. you know my max bench um, is 230 wow. um, on barbell and uh, so far my max dumbbell press has been 90 pounds and again um, I'm starting to back off of that a little bit because you know a lot of my feedback from uh, this last Olympia was you know I don't need to add any more size so you know when you get that critique you know you start to make adjustments so now I'm just a matter of uh, maintenance so and details right so now I can focus a little bit more on um, some of the conditioning or the clarity of the muscle um, and do more like cable work machine work and you know when I do my cable work it's a lot of drop sets a lot of drop sets six to eight sets of drop sets is a lot <laughs> it's also, I think machines are actually much better f- uh, from the perspective of not getting injured. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people get injured in free weights. Absolutely. So, I mean, it provides that um, that line of motion for you. You know, I mean, it, it provides the structure of your body for yeah. you. You know, there's usually a tall backrest or something that keeps you supported while you execute the movement that you just don't get when you do free weights. But in my opinion, when you're looking to add mass, you're going to recruit much more fibers in the beginning, right? In the beginning, but most people, if they're looking to add mass, they may be fairly new. Yeah, you're going to recruit much more muscle fiber when it comes to quantity um, if you're doing free weights. So a lot of my people who are just starting or maybe somebody I'm working with with them and they're moving from amateur um, into, you know, higher level amateur, they want to go to that national level. Yeah, we're going to start right off the top with, you know, incorporating more, more free weight exercises. Mm-hmm. Now you you just won obviously your second Miss Olympia competition, right? I mean it's huge. T- two titles already you have. Um, how long do you see yourself competing professionally on on a high level? I have a personal goal to make it eleven. <laughs> eleven titles you won. Wow. I I would like to have wow. that. Wow. Like to have that. But I, I mean I'm very much aware of the fact that you know you still need to be in a good place mentally with competing right. you need still need to be in a good place physically with competing so um my caveat to that is if i still feel good about it physically and mentally i would like to go after 11. um but at any given point i i feel as though you know it's not there i'm not the one to to force that you know again i've, I've done a lot already you know that i'm very proud of but mm-hmm. you know i, I want to make sure that i, I play it wisely because uh, one person I look up to a lot Dexter Jackson I mean I don't know if we'll ever see another Dexter Jackson especially amongst the men for him to have a career that spanned that long it says a lot about how he chose to really go after each and every prep 
Mm-hmm. It's not just to, you know, be the, the, the strongest and lift the most, but mm-hmm. it's about having a plan of action that keeps you healthy and keeps you safe. Yeah, absolutely. The next thing I was going to ask you is like, how do you see transitioning like from being a professional competitive bodybuilder to then going into like retiring? You know what I'm saying? Like, but obviously you have a long way to go because you, you won 11 titles, but like... I do. I won 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we won 11. So you, you got a long way to compete, but like, do you see yourself going from this, you know, from this life to like, you know, a civilian life outside of the, outside of the bodybuilding? You know, how do you, how do you see that transition? Well, I've thought about different things. So I've had the pleasure of working with several promoters, um, especially um, now that I have my Miss Olympia titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started lo- working with local promoters first before I became pro, before I got my Miss Olympia title. Um, and I really wanted to get a feel for what is the business of you know running a show as a promoter. Mm-hmm. And that there's there's very good business in that. And having that, you know, because it seems to me like at this point, you know, bodybuilding is always going to be a part of my life. But now it's just a matter of, okay, you know, when I decide to retire, what does that look like? So Mm -hmm. I definitely see myself being um, a promoter um, and helping other promoters. I haven't decided on, you know, getting into the judging aspect. Um, There's a lot of pressure that comes with judging. um, And for those who have done it and continue to do it, you know, I give them much respect because they they really have to, to, to evaluate, you know, based on every show that they do, who's the best at that time on the stage, right? Um, because some people, if you took them off that stage and put them on a different stage against this competitor, that competitor is a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely see myself as a promoter um, in the near future because it, that's where my heart is, like with helping athletes have a platform and an avenue to be able to showcase their talent. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of these people that I've worked with um, on an amateur level, some of them have not gone on to go pro, but you know, there's certain aspects of their life that have changed for the better. Um, whether it's how they parent their children, how they handle their job, um, they just found a certain amount of uh, self-esteem and efficacy that fr- that bodybuilding gave them or training gave them that they were able to apply to other aspects of their life. They're more organized. Um, they know about keeping tighter timelines, about you know, keeping uh, a budget. I mean, because you certainly, as an amateur, need to budget because it's costly. Yeah. <laughs> Very costly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and they, they become much more well-rounded, I think, people overall. Mm-hmm. What about from the physical standpoint? Like, obviously, you know, you're used to yourself being, you know, looking a certain way, right? You, you, you're a professional bodybuilder, right? You have, you have a physique, right? Do you see yourself ever transitioning into, like, you know, not, not having that, you know what I mean? That, that bodybuilding physique? Do you, do you see that ever happening? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've had the thought, but it's it, that one is really going to be probably where I I have my challenge and maybe looking at myself and not seeing you know as much muscle as what I've been used to, because um, I do think that you know once I do retire, probably within the first two to three years, you know I probably will start to see a little bit less muscle, um, but I'm always going to train. But again, I think it's just going to be a matter of you know I'm still active in bodybuilding, but this is what I do now when that time comes and I'm retired, right? I'm a promoter now. So you, I, I would take on almost a different aspect of my identity um, mm-hmm. concerning bodybuilding. But, you know, to my core, I'm still Andrea, right? I mean, I got into bodybuilding because I wanted to feel better and I wanted to look good, right? So I, mm-hmm. I know that without a doubt, I'm still going to be true to that. That part is like my core of who I am. You know, I know that when I perform well, you know, it again, just like the people I work with, 
it translates over into so many other aspects of my life, right? I'm a better friend, I'm a better businesswoman, and I'm a better coach. So yeah, that part's not gonna stop. But yeah, I think at first it'll probably be like a, a bit of a adjustment to try to say, okay, you know, I'm not lifting as heavy because uh, Lee Haney told me that, uh, uh, excuse me, Lee Labrada told me that Lee Haney told him that uh, one good rule about retirement is that when you're training, you train to stimulate, not annihilate. So that that one stuck with me because yeah, at a certain point you do have to think about, okay, it, it, it's a different phase right. and you don't need to that intensity anymore because that's not a part of your life anymore. Right. So I know you have an identity, like you, 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 you perceive yourself a certain way, right? The way your muscularity is, you have a, you have a specific identity about yourself. So it's interesting yeah. to transition. I've always had that, I think, because, I mean, I've always, I've always carried more muscle than I think the average woman. When I came out of gymnastics, you know, I was in college and people thought I was lifting weights and I wasn't when I was in high school, people thought, you know, oh my gosh, you must be working out or something because you look like, you know, they would call me buff. But, <laughs> so I've always a more muscular physique. Yeah, just, genetic, just genetically, because you just played sports and that's how you look, yeah. yeah exactly, sure. exactly. And I mean, learning to balance your whole body weight on, you know, arms and do tumbles and flips and yeah, it takes a lot of, you know, um, development with, you know, your physicality. But yeah, so that part of me I've always like had, it's just I found a way to take it to the next level, right, with competing, so. Yeah. It's crazy how some people look muscular without working out. I used to know a guy in high school, my high school, right, like he was, muscular like I, and I knew him close I knew he wasn't working out like he was 13 years old you know what I mean like it's just <laughs> yeah. genetically just like abs uh, biceps everything was crazy like it's amazing how people have that you know what I mean exactly and I mean again it, it's all about you know what wh where do you come from so like my mom very petite lady um but my dad my dad was a just a big massive ball of muscle and all he did was play basketball he could have gotten into other sports. Had he been into bodybuilding, he would have out oh, he would have been a monster. Mm. <laughs> he would have been a monster. Right. I mean, my dad used to have a problem wearing jeans, um, button up shirts. I mean, he was just a big man at six foot three, he and almost two hundred and fifty pounds. He was mm. just a big man. Yeah. So yeah, people ask me, I'm like, Yeah, I can I mean I could show you pictures. My dad was just a big stocky guy. <laughs> and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's incredible. <laughs> That's it. You're blessed with that, um, Andre. Thank you so much for your time. Like I said, I'm a really, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, and a big fan of women's bodybuilding. And I really wish you all the success, and we should definitely do it again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you, Andre. Have a great day. Bye bye. You as well. Thank bye bye. You. Visit GenerationIron.com for even more GI exclusive content on all things bodybuilding, fitness, combat, and strength sports. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are downloaded.